right, Matthew chapter 1. You have your Bible? If you do, turn there, Matthew chapter 1. Check this. Oh, you're bringing a pulpit? I wasn't going to use it. But since you brought it, I'll pretend like it's not there. Awesome. Hey, there's a choir up here. Can you thank the Lord for them? Fantastic. Oh, what a grace of the Lord. Oh, my word, the song that they just sang. Somebody, somebody say amen. amen. You see, here's the deal, choir, whether you know this or not, the authority of the song that you just sung comes from Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, verse 44, Jesus is walking on the road of Emmaus. He's walking with disciples, and he looks to them, and he says, hey, listen, I am. It's me. Luke 24, verse 44 says, it is me. Everything that was written about me in the law of Moses, everything that was proclaimed about me by the prophets, every word that was sung in the Psalms, all of it must be fulfilled. But here's the deal. In its fulfillment, you're looking at it. The fulfillment is standing right before you. I am, I am, I am, I am. It's me. Jesus is saying it's him. You see, every earthly fulfillment of every promise that was made, the beginning of that fulfillment is Christmas. Was every promise fulfilled at Christmas? No. There are still some glorious promises that are yet to come. But the initiation, the inauguration of it all, the piercing of a baby's cry. You see, the promise of Christmas is this. For unto us a child is born. For unto us a son is given. A son. In our study of the book of Genesis, we've heard a lot about a son. From the beginning, from the beginning, let us make man in our image. Let us make mankind in our image. Let us, let us make them in our likeness. Let them have dominion over the birds of the sea. The birds of the sea, you like that? Anyone following? Anyone paying attention? How about the fish of the sea, anyone? How about the birds of the air? You better with that? See, you got to listen to your pastor. Like, come on, keep them straight here. Like, oh, that sounded good. Sure, okay, good. From the beginning... Since the fall of mankind, after being given this glorious dominion, what do they do? They take of the fruit, and in taking of the fruit, sin enters the world. God comes, and he proclaims a curse over the land. He proclaims a curse to the serpent. Remember his words. I will put enmity, he says unto the serpent, between you and the woman. Between your offspring and her offspring. Did you hear it? Offspring, offspring. Somebody's coming. Someone's coming. Generation after generation. You saw the genealogy on the screen during the O come, O long expected Jesus. Name after name. What of this one who is coming? He's going to crush the head of the serpent just as the serpent shall bruise his heel. A redeemer is coming. A son is promised. 
You see, the promise of Christmas is a promise of hope. The promise of hope and the fulfillment of hope is indeed the coming of Jesus Christ, Savior, Messiah, the one who would fulfill this prophecy. The promise of Christmas is hope. The arrival of Jesus was the fulfillment of hope. Come on, somebody say hope. Say hope. hope. Could anyone use a little hope this Christmas? If you could, raise your hand. Anyone use a little hope? Indeed. Right now, my house is full of hope in the shape of four boys. As Christmas approaches, we have this countdown. We have this countdown calendar. I don't know. Do you guys have this? Can you, can you show them the, the picture of the countdown calendar? Is it up there? Oh, my word. Look at, that. Look at that thing. Did you know it's 14 sleeps till Christmas right now? That's how we count. That's how we count in our house. We count sleeps. We count sleeps. We count sleeps. There are 14 sleeps until Christmas. My boys, each and every morning, they come down the stairs and they flip over that number. You know, tomorrow it's going to be 13 sleeps. It's going to be 13 sleeps till Christmas. You know, for thousands of years, they've been flipping numbers. After the last prophecy was spoken in the Old Testament, for 400 years, there was silence. They were flipping numbers, not knowing what the end number would finally be. And then out of the silence came the pierce of a baby's cry. He is. Why do we count down the sleeves? Because at the heart of Christmas is the spirit of anticipation. It's always been this way. And at the root of anticipation is a deep desire for hope. <sighs> Christmas is the most difficult time in a pastor's schedule for preaching sermons. Did you know that? You've heard it all before. But somehow you want to hear it all again. You feel that? You've heard it all before. But deep in your soul, you know as well as I do, you, we need to hear it again. Hope. The world needs hope. The church needs hope. As I look at my boys, how I long to have their simple hope. Anyone? Anyone care to join me? I think what we could do here forward, if you would commit with me, let's count down the sleeps. Let's just count down the sleeps. Tomorrow when you wake up, say, come on, 13 more sleeps, 13 more sleeps, 12 more sleeps, 11, 11, 11 more sleeps, 10, 10, 10 more sleeps. Let's count down the sleeps. If you could use a little Christmas hope this morning, why don't you say this with me? If you could use a little Christmas hope this morning, would you just count down the sleeps? Would you just say 14 more sleeps? Could you use some hope this morning? Say 14 more sleeps. 14 more sleeps. <laughs> Here we go, Matthew chapter 1, 14 more sleeps. Matthew chapter 1 is our Christmas text. As a matter of fact, Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, written by Matthew, one of the 12, written by Matthew, the evangelist, written by Matthew, the faithful shepherd, written by Matthew... A key disciple who was actually written to give God's people hope. And so if you could use some hope this morning, you're looking at the right chapter right now, Matthew chapter 1. 
Here's what you need to know about Matthew. Here's what you need to know about the context of Matthew. Listen, listen, there is no, there is no text. There is no understanding of the text lest we know the context. Somebody say amen. We study the Bible here. There is no text to understand lest you understand the context. So the actual dating of the book, the gospel of Matthew, is a little uncertain. We know this. It was right before the destruction of the temple. You know what that means. Tension is mounting. Pressure is mounting. Pressure. Know anything about pressure this morning? There was tension all around the world. Conflict was brewing in the church between Jews and Gentiles. Religious pressure was mounting upon the church. Political opposition was coming down. And then this. Tell me if this one resonates with you. A, skept, a social skepticism was growing as their odd beliefs became more widely known. Hello. Soon, all of these pressures were about to culminate in this cultural tension, which would result in it being very, very difficult to even admit that they were followers of the way or believers in Jesus. As a matter of fact, it would become downright dangerous. Context. The church was under pressure. The church was under pressure. The church was under pressure. A little bit different kind of pressure than probably you and I put on ourselves this season. But nevertheless, Matthew, <clears throat> Matthew wrote here, he writes here to bring hope to the church in the midst of pressure. Whatever pressure you're feeling this morning, whether it be relational, whether it be in need, whether it be in emotion, whether it be in angst, whatever pressure that you're facing today, know this, there's nothing new under the sun. And while the circumstances of the, of the church context here is different than yours personally, this, the prescription is the same. It is hope, say hope. Hope in what? Check this. When the church was under pressure and they needed hope, guess what Matthew does? Guess where Matthew goes? Guess where Matthew begins? I see the pressure you're going through. I see the tension that is mounting. I understand the pressure. I know what's coming your way. Here's what you need to be reminded of. Christmas. He goes to Christmas. He comes out of the gate with Look, look at, look at verse 17, verse 18 of chapter 1. Now, the birth of Jesus took place in this way. Are you catching this? Christmas is supposed to bring hope, not angst. Christmas is, a, is supposed to result in peace in our souls, not hurriedness. Oh, what have we done to Christmas? Look, look, look. Matthew begins with Christmas, but before he gets to Mary and Joseph, before he gets to the announcement of a virgin birth, look, at, look, 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 look. Before the announcement, before the angels' choir, before the shepherds, before the wise men, before all of this, look at, what he, look at where he goes. Look at verse 1. Look at where he goes. He goes all the way back to the original promise of Christmas. Christmas didn't begin with the angel coming to Mary. Christmas began all the way back in the beginning. Catch it. Verse 1, 
the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. The names that you saw flashing across the screen just a couple of songs ago. What is it? It is all the names that led from the original promise unto Abraham all the way to, G to Jesus. And so what does Matthew want us to understand about Christmas? Christmas is a time of hope. And in this one verse, he wants you to hear this. This promise, this hope is fulfilled in the coming of a son, a son that saves and a son that reigns. A son that saves and a son that reigns. Chapter one is our context for today. And so first point, we're going to find some hope in Christmas this morning by understanding that the one who come, finding confidence in this one who come as being the son that saves. All right, all right. How many of y'all in this verse, when you see the word genealogy, you're getting a little bit nervous right now? Huh? Anyone? Anyone? How about, how about this? How about when you look down through the chapter and you're like, oh my word, there are 17 verses full of names. Is this dude about to preach a Christmas sermon on a genealogy? Is like anybody else freaking out about that right now? Is he really? Is he really going to do that? There are, count them, count them, three sets of seven. There are 42 names here. Let's go. Three sets of 14. Let's do this. While some of us don't get super fired up about genealogies, you need to know this, the original audience was overwhelmed by this list. They were completely overwhelmed to see and to be able to draw the line. Their ancestry and their eternity and their very life sustenance was so intertwined in, their, in these genealogies. There was so much hope in the list of these names, it would be difficult for me to, under, to help you understand. Let me put you at ease here. Matthew's inclusion of the genealogy was very purposeful. You see, his intent was not necessarily for us to kind of run down through each and every individual name, for all of these names were listed to point to one name. What's the name? Look at it. Look at verse 1. What's the name? What's the name? What's the name? The book of genealogy of... The book of genealogy of who? Say his name. This is the book of the genealogy of... Yeah, say his full name. Say Jesus Christ. All the names here direct us to Jesus. Abraham, father of Isaac. Isaac, father of Jacob. Jacob, father of Judah. Judah of Perez. Haran. Zan. They draw a direct line of confidence. From the father of promise to the promised son. From the father of promise to the promised son. Come on, who's the father of promise? Anybody know? Pop quiz. Who's the, who's the father of promise? Say his name. Say Abraham. Just last week and for the past 12 weeks, we've been studying the promise of Abraham. Is, is God not amazing how this works together? How his word is one fluid story of divine intervention and salvation unto us. Listen, listen, listen. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham, Genesis chapter 22. Do you see it? Do you see it? Angels just aren't for December 25th. 
Angels have been doing Christmas work from the very beginning. One of these days, we're going to do a Christmas series on all the angels and all of their announcements because this is Christmas. This is an announcement all the way back in Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 22. Here it is. And the angel came and said unto Abraham a second time from heaven. What did he say? By myself I have sworn, says the Lord. Why? Because you have done this and you have, with, you have not withheld your son, your only son. I assuredly, I assuredly will bless you. I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sands that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Why? Because you have obeyed my voice. Catch this. Because Abraham trusted God, Christmas came. Well, that's awesome. Because Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son, God the Father sent his son to this earth that all the nations of the world will be blessed. Verse 18, from his offspring, it says, Genesis 22, verse 18, from his offspring another son would come to bless the world, Jesus. Matthew's given us this genealogy so we can trace it with our own eyes, we can see it with our own eyes that Jesus is the promised son of Abraham. And as the promised son of Abraham, guess what that makes him? Jesus. Jesus Christ. Jesus the Christ. The name Jesus means Yahweh saves. Christ means anointed one. Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Savior. Read it this way. Jesus the promised son. Jesus the Messiah. What are we supposed to see? The son promised in Genesis chapter 3 is the son promised to Abraham. Is the son promised to David. Is the son promised to each and every one of us. One promise, one son. Many promises with one promise of one son. And so are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Look, watch, watch, watch. It's one promise, one promise that's going to be fulfilled in multiple iterations to multiple people over the centuries. It's going to sound different, but it's all pointing to the same thing. One promise to usher in a brand new beginning. Check this out. Are you ready for this? The word genealogy. Look at verse 1. It says the genealogy. You're like, is he really going to preach on the word? Here it comes. He's going to preach on the word genealogy. The genealogy of Jesus Christ. Check this out. You know what the Greek root word is for genealogy? Anyone? Anyone? This is such a great pop quiz right now. If you, if you yelled out the word, I would just like jump off of this platform. I mean it. Anyone? Anyone? Genesis. Now I got to jump off the platform. That was unbelievable. You can't say you're going to do something and not do it. That's Parenting 101. <laughs> Genesis. The genesis of Jesus Christ. The genealogy of Jesus Christ. The beginning of the new beginning. That's what Matthew's actually implying and saying here. So it literally reads, the book of genealogy of Jesus Christ. The Biblios Genesios. 
the book of the new beginning of Jesus Christ, the new beginning. Do you remember the Hebrew word for genealogy? Anyone, anyone, anyone? Well done. Thank you. Toledot. That's not another jump. I made no promise. <laughs> I learned my lesson. Y'all are too smart in here. Toledot. Do you remember how the book of Genesis is broken down with Toledotes? Remember? Every major transition in the book of Genesis was transitioned with a genealogy. You remember what it would say over and over and over again? It would say, it would, it would say this. These are the generations of. These are the generations of. These are the Toledotes of. These are the Genesis of. This is the new beginning now. Check it. This is the new beginning in Jesus Christ. 400 years of silence. Thousands of years of waiting. What does Matthew start the script with? This is the new beginning, the new genealogy, the newness, the Genesis of salvation in Christ. Love this. Matthew's saying Jesus is the promised son who is ushering in a new beginning. He's ushering in salvation. That's why Matthew was going to say this in verse 21. Hang with me. She will bear a son. You will call his name Jesus. Why? <laughs> For he shall save his people from their sins. He'll give them a new beginning. By the way, by saving his people, he literally means the offspring of Abraham. He's going to save. He's going to bring a new beginning. He's going to bring an opportunity of faith unto the house, unto the offspring of Abraham. Make no mistake, the first, the first, the first thing the Lord has come to do is to offer, offer a new beginning unto God's physical kingdom, the nation of Israel, Abraham's offspring. But what, else, but, else, but what else was promised to Abraham? From your offspring, what? How many nations will be blessed? All. Come to save God's people from their sins, first unto the offspring of Abraham, but now what? What is Christmas? Christmas, Christmas is the saving, this Savior, this Son who saves, coming into all the earth to offer grace unto all mankind. From the offspring of Abraham shall one come whom all the nations shall be blessed by. Our entire study of Abraham culminates right here. He will give God's people a new beginning. Could you use a new beginning this morning? Anyone? Anyone? Anyone use a fresh start? Christmas is a time, Christmas ought to be, here we see in the text, it is an opportunity for a new beginning. The promise of Christmas is a promise of hope. And through the promised Son, you and I can have a new beginning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, Therefore, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Check this. You know what I love about genealogies, Carlos? You know what I love about genealogies? One of the things I love about genealogies is they point us backwards for sure. They cause us to look back. Anyone do, anyone do this like Ancestry.com stuff? Anyone do anything of that? And major grace extended to some of you because you're not able to do that. I totally understand that. But there is a sense all throughout the scriptures that there, there is a leaning into ancestry and genealogies. And it, it causes us to look back. But you know, what, you know what it's meant to do in looking back? It's meant to thrust us forward. 
One thing I love about genealogies, even if you don't know, even if you don't know what your past, even if you don't know your lineage, your heritage, hear this. The real intent of looking back here is what? It's to thrust us forward to whom? Jesus. Look at this. Matthew goes all the way back to Abraham to push us forward to Jesus. Catch this. Christmas is most certainly a time to look back. Christmas is most certainly a time to reflect. But for some of us, that isn't easy. Perhaps in the midst of all the trappings and the craziness of Christmas, perhaps we oftentimes fill ourselves so full with activity because we're covering over that which we would rather not have to look back at. Some of us come from pretty rough stuff in our past. And perhaps you're here today and you come from a pretty shady line of people. Perhaps you're here today and you don't even know who that line of people would even be. Can I encourage you this morning? Jesus was perfect. Jesus was the spotless child of God. Jesus was the perfect spotless lamb who died in your place. But his genealogy was all messed up. He was perfect, but the people's names who you saw on this screen were all kinds of jacked up. Like their lives, if, you were, if it was not just their names, but you would play on the screen all the details, all the things, all the sins, all the grime, all the crazy that they committed. Oh, my word. It is an absolute marvel to me. If you were to study through these names, what I want you to hear is this. Jesus was perfect, but the line through which he came was really, really, really messed up, full of shady people from all walks of life on that list that you saw, on that list that you see before you in your Bible are Jews and Gentiles, men and women, rich and poor, liars and sinners, adulterers and prostitutes. Really? Why in the world would Matthew do that? Why would he include these names? Grace. What I want you to catch here, by rule, Matthew didn't have to list, by rule, Matthew didn't list every name in Jesus' genealogy. He didn't have to. By rules, he could, 
He could pick, and he could choose, and he could, he could list it out as long as it was true and accurate. He didn't have to list every single name. He did indeed jump some, some, some generations. And so if it was me, if it was you, wouldn't you pick all like the really, 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 really good people? Like, my name is Lingenfelter, right? Lingenfelter. So when I look back, I'm like, I want my name to mean something really cool, right? And so I remember looking back and trying to figure out what does Lingenfelter mean. And I look back into the past, and you know what? You know, I look back into my genealogy, however that whole thing works. You know what Lingenfelter means? It's a, it's a German name. It's topographical. You know what it means? Anyone? Anyone? Swampy field. <laughs> like the man from the swampy field. And so, like, if I was writing my genealogy, like, I would probably skip the part about the swampy field. You know what I'm saying? That's not what Matthew does here. Swampy field, swampy field, swampy field, swampy field, swampy field, swampy field. They're all swampy fields. Every single one of them. It blows my mind. And so you have to ask the question, why, 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 why? What is the point What's clear is he names the names that the Lord wanted him to name. He names the names that God wanted him to name. He named the people to make the point that God wanted him to make. What's the point? The promise of Christmas is for everyone. And every single person in this room, no matter your past, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what you're going through, no matter who your dad is, no matter, no matter, no matter, no matter, God can use you. Whatever you've done, moms and dads, look at your kids and know in Jesus Christ a new beginning. What does he want you to know? No matter where you're from, the promised son has come. No matter what you've done, Jesus Christ came to forgive. No matter your shady past, Jesus welcomes you into a new beginning. Regardless of whatever you've come from, God is offering you a new genealogy. He's offering to be your new spiritual father. Here forward, a new legacy is yours in Christ Jesus. But don't reject the past. Don't neglect the past. Realize that God, God never wastes an experience and every single one of those lives that led to this moment of Jesus Christ coming to this earth, every single one of them served a purpose. They're serving a purpose right now because you're able to connect with those whose lives are a whole lot like yours and a whole lot more like mine. You see, the hope, the hope, the hope of Christmas had to pass all the way through sinner after sinner after sinner after sinner after sinner. Isn't it amazing that God still passes on his hope through sinners today? That's us. You see, he's the son who saves. Son of Abraham. He's the son that saves. But it also says this, he's the son of David. You know what that means? He's the son who reigns. 
He's the son who saves. But the other point that, Mar- that Matthew's making here is he's the son that saves. And we're landing the plane here. Check this out. Look back at the genealogy. Look at verse 17. Look at the end of the genealogy, verse 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. Watch. And from, and from the deportation of Babylon to Christ was 14 generations. Was it actually literally 14 generations? Say no. What do you mean no? I just told you in Matthew's genealogy, he chose to list 14 generations for segment one of history from Abraham to David. He chose to list 14 generations from David to Babylonian captivity, which was a very dark time, and then he goes from Babylonian captivity to Jesus, he lists another 14 generations. Why did he do that again? Three sets of 14. Matthew was, check this, Matthew was using a literary device to focus the genealogy on someone in particular. It's all pointing to Jesus, no doubt. But check this out. Gamaria is the word. G-E-M-A-R-I-A. Jamaria is the practice of assigning numerical value to letters. Commentary after commentary after commentary, historian after historian, theologian after theologian offered the same hypothesis, and it seems very, very plausible. Plausible. You be a Berean, you study it for yourself. But this particular practice of assigning numerical value to letters was used over and over and over again as a literary device to draw focus, to draw focus upon something and someone. Who do, you, who do you think? It's the, son who, it's the son who saves, son of Abraham, but he's also the son who reigns. Anyone want to take a guess? Anyone want to take a guess what the numerical value of the name of David is? Somebody say 14. Say 14. If you want to be right, say 14. 14. Perfect. The numerical value of David's name in the Hebrew alphabet is 14. Guess what Matthew's doing right now? He is making it abundantly clear that from Abraham to David, from David to Babylonian captivity, from Babylonian captivity to today is one promise. The promise of the son the promise of the one who would save would become the promise of the one who would be king. The promise of the son who would come to save grew into the promise of clarity of the son who would come to reign. He would be the king. And then you see this throughout this darkness of Babylonian captivity, who would the nation be longing for? They would be longing for this king who was promised to David, who they know was also to be the one who would come to save. And how did we know that he would come to save? Except unto Adam and Eve, it was promised that there would one who would come, the offspring who would crush the head of the serpent 
who would reign victoriously forevermore. The son was promised. And so to Abraham, he says, he will come to save the nations. And so the nations would be saved. Not only would the nations be saved, the nations would be reigned by this king. And so when we find ourselves in this place of Babylonian darkness, if you will, what are we always to do? We are to turn our gaze to Jesus, for Jesus would come. The Son would come. 14, 14, 14, 14, until the silence was pierced with a baby's cry. God's promise to David went like this. I made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant, I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations, Selah. You see, the hope of Christmas is the arrival of a son. The son who saves and the son who reigns. What I love about this simple text is this. Not only does the Son come to bless the nations, His greatest blessing over the nations is that He will one day rule them. He's not only the Son who comes to give new life, He's the Son who is willing to reign victoriously in each and every one of our lives. That's hope. The promise of Christmas is the hope of a son. The hope of Christmas is the birth of a king. And the hope of our future is the glorious, triumphant return of the one who laid in a manger. Come on, friend. The genealogy of Jesus Christ. The book of genealogy, the offer of a new beginning. Christmas is the offer of a new beginning. Whatever you're going through, whatever your background, wherever you've been, Christmas time. This is Christmas. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall rest upon his shoulders. He will save and he will reign. And so, Father, now we pray that you would reign in each and every one of our hearts. Father, we pray this morning that you would help us to focus, that you would help us to clear out the busyness and the crazy that surrounds us. Father, here even this kickoff, this launch, if you will, into the season is not meant to send us into a hurriedness, but it's meant to settle us into a place of peace and hope and calm. Father, right now, would you touch those who have a difficult time looking back. Father, would you touch those who find Christmas to be a difficult time? 
Father, would you help them to approach this Christmas season as a new beginning? Would you help them to see that Christmas is not to be a time of angst, but it's meant to be a calming time of hope for their souls? Friend, right where you are, ask the Lord to calm your spirit. Ask him to give you a sense of hope this Christmas. Hope like a child. Hope like those who are willing to count down the sleeps. He's the king who saves. And so understand this, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, whoever would believe, whoever would believe. If you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, the scriptures are just so clear. He who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. With the heart we believe, with our mouth we confess. What do we believe? That Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died in our place. What do we confess? That he rose from the dead, that he reigns, that he reigns, that he reigns triumphantly. Tell the Lord, tell the Lord you know you're a sinner. Ask him for the faith to believe. It's a prayer that he answers. Ask him to be your Savior and your Lord. Ask him to be your King. And he will. Father, do your saving work in this place right now. Do your saving work this Christmas. Do your calming work this Christmas, we pray. In Jesus' name.